0: Do you just love this podcast so much and wish you could find a way to monetarily support us? Well, guess what? Much like NPR, we thrive on support from viewers like you. So if you love this podcast and you want to become a contributor, all you have to do is go to anchor.fm, that's A-N-C-H-O-R.fm, click the support button, and choose the amount that you want to contribute each month to our podcast. This helps keep our podcast going, and it keeps the phenomenal content that you have come to know and love flowing. So yeah, what are you waiting for? Sign up today. As always, thank you so much for being a listener. We appreciate you, we see you, and we hope you enjoy the show. Spoiler alert. If you do not want this film ruined, do not proceed. There's spoilers galore. You have been warned. Welcome to Talk Classic to Me, the classic film podcast and movie club where I, Sarah Greenfield, your host and classic film enthusiast, bring in my entertaining friends to talk about classic movies or any other old-fashioned form of media that strikes my fancy. On today's show, we're talking about the film Can't Stop the Music from 1980 with my wonderful guests Andrew Johnson, Zoe Palco, and Kyle Cirilla welcome to talk classic to me i am your host sarah greenfield and today we have a very special show because we have several guests who are my very good friends today on the show we have andrew johnson zoe palco and kyle cerilla uh and we watched you can't stop the music from 1980 hello friends how are you <laughs> hi Sarah. hello
1: hi great
0: to be back Um, So, as I mentioned, we watched You Can't Stop the Music. Actually, I'm so sorry. It's not called You Can't Stop the Music. It's just called Can't Stop the Music from 1980. Um, How was your experience feeling this time? Because I know you've all seen it before because we all watched it together originally.
2: I think we were just talking about how we were all shocked that it's longer than we thought. I was like, this will be an easy weeknight watch. It's got to be like 80 minutes. No, no, it's not.
0: It is two hours and eight minutes. And you do feel it. Um, it could have been a little shorter, but it's, (laughs) I'm really glad that we're talking about it today.
1: I would say that the thing that we were talking about, um, just rewatching it was like the number of people in the cast, which... Also, you know, it's like, why do we need someone to pop in and have, like, eight lines, you know? (laughs) That will make a movie over two hours when you just keep adding people that no one even knows who they are and you immediately forget about them. (laughs) It's wild.
2: This is one of those, like, fun, campy things that they could put, like, you know, they could transition and have, like, be an off-Broadway show like Xanadu or something Mm -hmm. like that. But it's, like, what the new... What You need to, like, hire Harvey Fierstein to, like, cut this thing down to like the bare essentials and combine all these characters that aren't needed. Like we're like, we need an agent, like two different kinds of agents here and all these things just like, and I think that's why it's long because I think if at some point you're like, if you cut, anything it's like the web falls apart yeah.
3: the very <laughs> fragile web yeah. yes yeah.
0: they were sewing little pieces together that don't quite go but they're like oh this would be really funny we can't yeah. lose that it's a joke
3: and you're like oh but you could you could have lost that. <laughs>
2: well, <laughs> <would've yeah>. <laughs> the wisp of a plot
3: this movie has the exuberance of like a seventh grade musical on mushrooms and it's just like a delightful train wreck and you're just (laughs) thrilled that everyone's having a good time like Mm -hmm. that is this film to me it's like i just want to clap and be like good for you you're having fun (laughs) up there
2: it's also shocking it's a movie specifically about a group of musicians like like a music group who probably have 10 lines amongst themselves, period. It's about all these extra people that they had to put around because, like, the village people aren't actors right and they were like well we better we won't trust them to do it so we have to have like all these other people circling them
3: it's like they, they they tried it with them and then everyone's like well they i mean no one in this movie can act but they like they're off off the charts so then they're like well somebody else can say that line let's put another character in this film well somebody else can say that line let's put another character in this film and suddenly we're at two hours long and it's 11 30 at night and i'm a mother of a toddler and i'm dying yeah. Yeah.
2: What if you had a mother, too? Yeah, mother, yeah, but where you're in. What if
3: they all had mothers? All of their
2: mothers are here.
0: Like, right. but we'll get into it. Wait, first I have to... People at home, you're probably like, oh, I'm so confused. I've never seen this movie. Don't worry. I'm about to explain it and break it down for you. So first I'm going to tell you why I chose this movie and why I chose these people to watch it with. First of all, I chose this movie because it is Gay Pride Month. It Well, it isn't now. It will be. It's going to be Gay Pride Month when this mm-hmm. episode comes out. Um, and I feel like this movie is like an underrated Pride classic. Like, I wish that this, because it's it's this really campy movie that is clearly, like, queer-coded. So we're going to get into this, like, what really does make this, like, a, a gay movie. Um, but I feel like it's, it is positive representation in a lot of ways. Um, the Valerie Perrin quote that she has, we'll get into later, about, like, acceptance is really key to a lot of this. Um, but I feel like this is a really fun, really campy over the top bananas, like LGBTQ plus film. And uh, it should be talked about more. So I wanted to talk about it more on the show. And then the reason I chose these wonderful people to talk about it with is because I would not know of this film if it was not for all of you. I, I want to say it was Kyle that first found it and we all watched it together about 10 years ago. Uh, it was my last, like, we, or my last couple months in Chicago and we knew I was leaving. And we used to do something called Snarky Movie night where we'd all watch like really campy movies and kind of either laugh with them or laugh at them depending. Um, And it was really fun. And so Kyle, I think found this and was like, we need to watch this for your final snarky movie night. And it was the best of them all. It had everything. It had the jokes, over the top campiness, musical numbers, old Hollywood stars and had it all. Um, so that's why I chose to watch it with you all because you're a part of this experience with me and you appreciate it in the same way that I do. So that's why we chose it. Kyle, where did you find this movie? First of all, before I do the plot synopsis, I have
2: to ask. I really think it was something like I had like it's some kind of early version of like on demand on our cable or something probably before apps had. And I think it was just like a free movie that we had. And I was like, what is this? Because I was trying to think about too, like, how did I find out? About this. And I think it was just something that I was like, this is a thing we need to look at. Um yeah. and I recommended at for me. you. That's yeah, probably what like, <laughs> or all early, of us. <laughs> the early algorithm knew exactly what to send me. Yeah.
0: Well, and you all, but when like when I was leaving, um at when you know, my going away party, the present that you got me, the greatest present one could get, was a DVD of this film, but you had to special order. I think it's a Korean version. I feel like you had to special order <laughs> from Korea. <laughs>
1: Tracks, so, totally. I have the dvd
0: <laughs> of this and it has korean subtitles um and I love it I love it so much so thank you thank you for this wonderful gift um but it had been a few years since I'd watched it and so watching it this time was just I remembered how crazy it is Um, But I'm going to explain the, as Kyle put it, the crisp, thin plot for you, people at home. So explain the plot of the film. I need to explain who the Village People were, if you do not know who the Village People were. So the Village People are a famous band from the 1970s, the late 1970s, specifically like the disco era. They were famous between like 1977 and 1980. And that was kind of it. And this movie came out in 1980, right when they were like on the way out of being really popular. Um, But their hits are Macho Man, YMCA, In the Navy, Go West. Those are the ones I can think of off the top of my head. I'm sure there were more like at the time. Um, But they were a band that had like a gimmick, kind of they were created by producers. So they were not a band that formed naturally at all. It was basically like, there was this one guy, Victor Willis, who's by the way, not even in the movie because they had like recast him in the group by that point. So there were these two guys, Jacques Morelli and um, Henri or Henry, I'm not sure if he's French or not, a Belolo. And they were like, "Mm -hmm." we want to start a band and we know this guy, Victor Willis, he sings really good. We'll make a demo with him. So they record this music with him and they're like, oh, people are liking this music. We should like put a group together for appearances. So he'll like sing and other people will kind of like dance and maybe sing back up in the front. Um, and I know that Jacques Morali was a gay man. And so this band was kind of coded as like the queer band of techno culture. Um, and then they wear costumes. So the main singer is a police officer. He's dressed up as like, they're dressed up in these costumes, but they're like sequiny, you know, it's like a a lot of fun kind of costumes. So it's like playing with the tropes of American masculinity. Um, and it's like these macho gay fantasy personas. So we've got the police officer. Uh, we've got a guy dressed up like an army guy, the GI guy. We have a cowboy. We have a native American who they... They refer to as an Indian in this and you get really uncomfortable. Um, At least I found out he is Native American, half Native American. So that made me feel better a little bit. Okay. So with that, and then we have the leather daddy. I think they call him a leather man. Um, Who am I forgetting? Who are the other characters?
2: Construction
3: worker.
0: Construction worker. How could I forget? (laughs) So basically it's a guy singing really catchy songs and all these guys dressed up in costumes dancing in front of him. That's like the idea of the village people. They were very popular. Um... And they were not necessarily incredibly talented. Also, they're still around today. Much like The Temptations, they've had about 12 zillion members. And the only remaining member from the beginning is Victor Willis, who I mentioned was replaced for this movie. For a long time, a guy named Ray Simpson was the lead vocalist and took his place. So how bummer for Victor Willis that he couldn't even be in this movie. And he's kind of like the only guy that's consistently been with them besides the time period when they made this movie. Now, you know who the village people are. Here's the movie. We start, as all movies should start, with Steve Gutenberg on roller skates. Steve Gutenberg has just quit his job because his boss does not understand his music and he wants him to do inventory in the store. And Gutenberg's like, no, I am a music producer. I am out of here. Goodbye. And then he roller skates through Manhattan for five minutes. Yeah,
1: I would love to wear roller skates to work every day. But, you know, (laughs) I would get fired.
0: He's wearing them his whole shift, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as you do in the late 70s. And uh, I'm sorry, 1980. They mentioned it's the 80s a lot in this film. We get an opening song of him just roller skating through New York City. And it's fabulous. And at one point, full circle moment, he there's a group of girls wearing shirts that say, San, Fran, and Cisco, and they're out of order. And he puts them in order. And then later on in the movie, we all go to San Francisco. And I went, whoa, the foreshadowing. This movie is so deep. Cinema. That is cinema. So anyway, we find out that he's roommates with this woman named Samantha, um, who's played by Valerie Perrine. And um, she is a famous model who has just retired. And she's looking to do something else in her life. And um, he's like, uh, oh, I could, if I could just have a band, I'm a bad singer, but if I had a band, then like they could sing my songs and I'd have a group and we'd be a famous. And so she's like, you know what? I got this ex who's a music producer. Let me get a demo to him. You should make a demo. So he's like, okay, so I guess that means we got to find people to sing on the demo. So they walk around Greenwich Village. Hey, cause that's where she lives and they find people in the village to create the band the village people and um all these people just happen to have the professions of the clothes that they're wearing or like the cowboy and the native american person they never explain why they're dressed that way it's just that's what they like
1: and also do they have those professions because it's very unclear in the film it's like are Correct. they all models Who just stressed like this. I
2: think the construction worker is supposed to be a model, but then he never takes it off.
3: But we also see him for the first time coming out of a manhole in the middle of Manhattan. So That's how I
1: was born, exactly.
3: The sense that I got from this film is that he is a
0: construction worker who does commercials for his own construction site.
2: And so we saw him
0: filming a commercial because he sings in the commercial and that's how she knew he could sing.
2: This is the kind of clear storytelling this movie is known for.
0: Truly so basically this band forms um and then how do we get a love interest i'll tell you do we need a love interest no but here's how we get one <laughs> um samantha is basically like throwing a demo party so they can record this demo song at her house um caitlin jenner so oh and i want to mention so caitlin jenner is in this film before they transitioned so she shows up with a cake and i i don't this is where i'm really confused she's delivering a cake But that's not her job. She's a tax lawyer. So why is she delivering a cake to Samantha? They never say. They're like, here's a cake from your sister. Do you know why?
3: I think I heard that he used to be next door neighbors to her sister. But that's as in-depth as it gets because they just move right along after that. Never mention it again. Got it. So let me
0: get this straight. Caitlyn Jenner used to live next door to her sister when they were in Missouri. However, they have moved to New York now. So the sister was like, hey, can you pick up a cake at a bakery and bring it to my sister? That's what we're going with. Sure. Okay. Again, crystal clear storytelling. Also, there's a whole mugging scene where Caitlin is mugged and it makes no sense. And it really doesn't belong in the film. And that could have been one of the things that was cut. Anyway, okay, so we we have a love interest story and Jenner is uptight and uh, Valerie Perrin is not. And so there's like a clashing of the personalities and like the goal is to get Caitlin less uptight. Um, so the group is formed. Uh, they get the record executive involved. They decide to put on a show in San Francisco. They go to San Francisco. Uh, it, there's like little fights between Caitlyn Jenner's character and Valerie Prynne's character because Caitlyn Jenner is jealous. And then it all gets resolved and uh, they go on stage and they perform as a group. Uh, and that's that's the plot of You Can't Stop the Music. I think I got it all.
3: And there are hits and there's glitter.
0: So much glitter. So much glitter.
3: Very <laughs> sexy number about drinking
0: milk. And a ton of insane, absolutely over the top bananas, music numbers that were like MTV before MTV. It was like music videos hadn't been invented yet so they took old school MGM Hollywood musicals and like tried to make them like modern and updated and that's what we get in this and that's what is so fabulous about this film. All right so we have the plot synopsis out of the way like let's dive in. Something I do want to talk about that's funny to me is like this was an Alan Carr production and Alan Carr had produced Grease which was like the biggest movie hit ever and I love that his next project, he's like, what do I want to do next? I could do anything I want, (gasps) a village people movie. So then we have this like high budget, really hot mess. Um, Like this is a gay culture movie that's not really out there too much. And a lot of it's watered down and hidden. What were some moments that stood out to you that like makes this kind of an LGBTQIA plus positive film?
1: Ooh, is it? (laughs) It's just,
2: it's like not even, it's, especially at the, being like it's from 1980, obviously can't say, they're not going to say like we're gay or whatever, but it is like so, like, is it even coded? It's like we're all these muscle dudes at the YMCA, they walk into the YMCA, which I don't even really remember why they're going there. They walk into the YMCA and they're like, wow. And you think, like, I'm like, oh, they're going to see, like, the guys in the gym, like, doing a flip. No, they're going, wow, it's the locker room. And everyone's half naked.
3: Full naked. This is a full frontal film.
2: There's, it's like, what, is this like G or PG it's or something? PG.
0: It's PG. I think I read that it's one of the only PG films to have full frontal nudity, if not the only yeah. one.
3: It goes real quick if you're trying to watch, though, but. But it is seared into your memory. Yes. yes.
0: Oh, they're there to rehearse, by the way, Kyle. You were like, I don't even know why they're there. It's because uh, Caitlyn Jenner got them a rehearsal space at the YMCA. So just oh, there you
2: go. Yeah,
0: there's always a reason.
2: Sure. Um, And even like in the early on, when Jack is like having his like, I'm DJing tonight. That's why I had to leave work. I had to go DJ. Um, Like that disco scene, even though it's all like men and women couples dancing, is like so gay like you're just like oh this is like the girl who goes to the gay bar and boys are dancing with her and then she's just getting different partners because she's beautiful and they're just like hey girl I want to dance with you it's just like but everyone's like cool with it and like there's very little like even when they deal with people from the older generation like nobody like really gives them guff or anything besides maybe they're like a little like oh they're from the village oh it's like that's code on itself I guess
0: so that was something it's supposed to just be noted that like Greenwich Village has a reputation for being like a gay neighborhood, which I didn't fully realize because in my brain, Greenwich Village is like for eccentric bohemians. Like I'm thinking of Wonderful Town with like Ruth Sherwood, right? Like I'm thinking 1920s, like Greenwich Village, you know, (laughs) where they're all like, everyone here is unique and different. So I didn't understand necessarily that that was like a gay neighborhood. And that's what it would kind of, I guess, would give off or like, that's what people would understand about it. They do mention Fire Island, which I was like, yes, that's very clear. Um, That's like a gay reference. Um, I think for me, the reason I would say it's like a positive representation is because there's a constant message of acceptance. And the characters that we're frustrated with or don't like are the characters that are not accepting. Um, So I think that's kind of why I personally feel like it's more positive. Um, But also it is frustrating that they can't like outwardly express or say like, I'm gay and they couldn't have their own love stories. It had to be like a straight love story at the center. You know,
1: it's funny because both you and Kyle said they can't say gay or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. there were plenty of movies and things that were doing that at the time, you know? So I think they totally could have, I think they tried to go like more, we're going to have all the party and the eccentricity and the, the beauty and all of this and the musical numbers. And like, You know, but then like kind of hint at gay, but never say, is it just, to me, it felt kind of weird now. Yeah. Um, It was like, are they trying to mainstream this? You know, no one's going to watch this and think like this is mainstream. So why bother? You know, like it felt oddly forced.
0: Well, and I will say at least there is gay representation. Because I mean, I think five out of the six village people are gay. So like it is gay men on film. Um... So we have that <laughs> and like the creator of their Rand was gay. And I think it's what I think is interesting about the village people is like, they're singing macho men and they're putting on like these displays of like what people view as outward masculinity. And I think especially at the time, people's views of gay men were that they were very femme. So to have this like play on like, what do you think is masculine? Look, I'm dressed up as that and I'm fabulous. Like I love that whole kind of dichotomy, I guess. And it should be said that Felipe is an excellent go-go
3: dancer. It just should be said. If we go with, and again, this is like a, a huge cop out, but not what necessarily is said, but like the tone, the visuals, the music numbers, the sequence of the, the general fabulousness that is this film. Like it's it. You look at it and you're like, this should be I don't or is or whatever like a gay iconic movie but again we just sat here being like but is is it because they they never outwardly say it they never fully embrace it in that way but like if you step back you're like clearly but but this is it look at the vibe
1: there is also a lot of focus on that like old school like musical mentality where it's like the guy gets the girl and he's a chorus dancer you know and it's like it feels a little kind of corny and like that wasn't what disco was you know disco was like so sexy and like the dancing was like the best dancers ever but it they weren't necessarily like classically trained or something you know so like that to me felt fabricated and it's
3: like it had all the dressings of a gay iconic film but with none of the meat that Let's it be that
1: it's like the best laid plans you know you're like you lay everything out perfectly you're like this is going to be the best weekend ever i spent a fortune on a house to go (laughs) like stay at or and then it just doesn't work you know it's like that happens sometimes
0: i will say though i mean this is not a movie that's good this is a movie that's fun and i believe that we all had fun while we watched it so i will say that for it um But yeah, it would have been nice if it was also a good movie. Like, yes, that would have been good. But um, Andrew, (laughs) you brought up something that was so interesting to me throughout this particular viewing is I was realizing this movie is a movie that's constantly talking about the future, but is obsessed with things from the past. Like there's a, you know, a lot of lines about like, it's the 80s. I'm going to show you things you've never seen. This is the new sound of the 80s. And I was like, no, but you literally have a sign that says disco and you're playing disco music. So like, you're talking about the 70s, like even the movie opens with like that crazy technology and techno music. So it's like this weird mix of like, we're brand new, but we're still super obsessed with the older things. And sometimes that's cool. Like I love that we have these older like Hollywood actresses in this film. I love that the film embraces them. But then at the same time, there's like, I think it does lend itself to the corniness that you guys are talking about. There's something like not super authentic about this film while it's still like a very campy, fun movie at the same time. Like we're, we're laughing at them, but I don't know that they're laughing. Too. Oh my
1: God. And the eighties did fifties so much too. They look back, like, I mean, if you think of the music videos, Janet Jackson did a ton of like fifties inspired, like I'm in a diner, but it's an eighties song, you know, or Madonna did her diamonds are a girl's best friend, you know, look, Kyle and I were talking about this, like um, the fact that, you know, like everyone's kind of looking back like 20, 30 years and it's, that's what's kind of cool again, you know? And it's definitely, you can see that inspired in this. It's like, big musical number is inspired, but then it's like disco, you know? It's like, and it works sometimes and it doesn't, you know? But it's also
2: like, it's 1980. True. And it comes out, like, it's like a summer movie. Like, this wasn't even made in the 80s. It was probably filmed in the seven. you know, like, the summer before or something like that. Like, it's literally, like, the, and it's, it, you know, and there's, like, the transition things, too, where, like, it's trying to be, like, we're the new thing in the 80s, but you don't know until, until the till the end. I remember my mom saying, like, in the 60s when she was in school, like, she's, like, well, we still had, like, greaser people still. You know, there were still, like, it, like, it's not just, like, one day hippies showed up because the date changed. Um, <laughs> like it's not how 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 things work and it's just like but you're right because it's like they're like you know it's like we made some movie at the beginning of like the beginning of the millennium being like this is the new millennium and like thinking yeah. that you're gonna know what's gonna happen in 20 years and things like that um yeah. but i think it's also it's a it's a purposely contrived movie that's a, kind of supposed to be a joke about a group that was completely contrived like it's like as wacky as it is it actually it's kind of shocking that it's not even more wacky in the vein of like the like those old beatles movies where they're just like it's just absurd to be absurd and it's not even like the reality is like it's more of a cartoon it's actually kind of shocking how real they try to make this even though the acting is so schmacky and stuff like that like i think they realized we have this thing and we got to infuse some fun into it i mean you know and maybe that has something to do with like Having, like, a director who's, like, an actress from, like, the former year too two. You have Nancy Walker who's, like, you know, she's, like, what like Rhoda's mom and things like and had been then Broadway and stuff like that. And it's, it's sort of, like, you can kind of see her infused into a lot of these, like, characters and stuff, too. And so maybe they got directed to be a little, like, broader because I think that's what it maybe it needed can you imagine if they were like more like really playing it no i <laughs> can't i no, can't
1: no thank you <laughs> like no, thank you, you can you can only spill the lasagna twice which <laughs> is like <probably laughs> my new catchphrase <laughs> but like come on like do a whack-a-mole over the head or something yeah. else you know what i mean like change it up a little Once bit one shame
2: on you twice shame on you exactly <laughs>
0: I will say thank you for bringing up that Nancy Walker directed. Before this viewing, I had not realized this was directed by a woman, which for like 1980 is a huge deal. And Kyle also did mention, yes, she is famous for her TV roles. She was Rhoda's mom on Rhoda. I, and she was uh, Mildred and McMillan and wife. But unfortunately, since this movie was such a financial failure, she was never allowed to direct again, which really bums me out. Because I don't know that that was her fault.
1: Yeah, I mean, it sucks. Like, it's crazy there aren't more women directors. I don't understand.
0: Well, some stuff that was really cool, there were really cool technical things about this movie that I was appreciating. Like, this is before music videos exist, right? Like, MTV is not a thing yet. And so she's doing all these music videos with these really cool camera things. I wish I knew more um, about the camera stuff so I could tell you what it was. But it's where it's like, this thing in the center that's happening is different from the things on the side and the things on the side mirror each other. Um, mm. She does a lot of really cool techniques with stuff and she really knows how to like show the musical numbers. So she's clearly really good at directing those things and doing difficult technical, like she has vision and difficult technical prowess. Um, so like, that's just a bummer that she never got to do more than this. Like who knows what she could have done, but it was, it did win the Razzie, it won the very first ever Raspberry Award, the Razzies for the worst movie ever. Yeah.
3: Understood.
2: Yeah. I-, I will say you talk about music numbers that first number where he roller skates like ninety blocks in Manhattan, that song is so good. It's the village people are not even singing it, which is kind of funny that there's other people's songs in this thing too. Like I don't like, and you don't even know who they are, but it's so good you can't find it on Spotify anywhere. I can't find a way to get it. Like, just I wonder if it's because it's like some weird because of the people who you know. There's like different singers and stuff. If there's some weird rights things with this. it's hard to find like this album and I don't know if it's you can find like the village people stuff in other places right but you can't I can't find like the soundtrack to this viewers if you if you find it let me know was it Barry
0: Manilow? Because to me, it sounded like a Barry Manilow version of New York, New York.
2: I have the song list up and it says it's David London, who I'm not familiar Ooh, with. Sure. Who right. is best known as the former lead singer of like a bunch of bands I've never heard of. Oh, Toto. You've heard of Toto. Oh.
3: Toto. Wow. wow. Okay, there... so that's famous.
2: Rains Fall in Africa. Yeah.
3: Another
0: classic. Another classic. The so greatness started here. I think we can all agree.
2: We, we were like laughing at the lyrics because it's just like, Naming things in New York, like it's like literally <laughs> cat. like it's like if you were like Chap, GPT write a song about New York, like it was kind of what like that would be, because it was just like there's this place and that place and this place, and it was like there's this and there's a hot dog. They were like garbage on the street and children
3: playing. Yeah, it's like, like what? Yeah. It's <laughs> like if my toddler would have wrote it. It's yeah. like I'm going totally. past a store and there's a lamp post and look at that yeah. sewer drain. There's a rat. Like it's, I don't care because I love it. They do
0: have the part, I like that they like put certain things with certain actions. So when they're like, New York has heart, that's when like Valerie Perrine is you know she's a famous model and she takes out a marker and like gives her like model face a mustache and like blacks out her teeth on a bus as it goes by and so i like that they did try at certain moments to take the lyrics and apply them to what was happening
2: there you go
0: um there also was a hot dog cart shaped like a castle which i was a little bit obsessed with <laughs> it was really special and then we see all kinds of cool people in the park it's like look at new york it's unique there's theater and there's people doing weird things like a skateboard but it's not a skateboard and look at these other people doing cool new york things like that's kind of how it felt to me and plus i like seeing new york in the 70s it just looks cool
1: also i don't think we brought up the topic of valerie's apartment which is
2: gorgeous i mean
1: eight billion dollars
2: (laughs) a month Mm -hmm. right now Mm -hmm. like it's like mm -hmm. the friend's apartment of the day right yeah oh we have our
1: own little private courtyard you know like what the fuck she
2: has a duplex but her bedroom is
0: on the first floor what is on the second floor
1: plants more plants. Oh God, I'd love to see that second floor.
0: And I love it was like so much carpet. And then her and Caitlyn Jenner walk in the room. And then Caitlyn Jenner's like, it's a lot of orange. And she's like, it's peach. And I, in my brain, I was like, ah, oh, peach, the color of interior decorating in the 80s. Ah, oh. <laughs> she, <knew.
3: laughs> she
2: knew.
0: She knew. She was ahead of her time.
2: There's kind of this weird thing where like also like the story that they're kind of telling. Like the 70s are out and the 80s are in. There's like literally these two people where. You're like how old is this model lady like she could have been 50 or she could have been 20 like we couldn't figure out you know like and her styling and stuff would change so much where you would be like she looks so different and then it's about like baby steve gutenberg like coming up and gonna be a star for the rest of the decade like they didn't even know what they were telling in the background here
0: i do love that steve gutenberg had one level in this film and it was
3: just (laughs) high enthusiasm so much high enthusiasm,
1: a child's joy. Oh my god!
3: <laughs> like I want to just like pinch his cheek and give him a string cheese. Like he has such oh, childlike oh. joy. I love it so. But you kind of want to
1: make out with him too, like a little bit.
3: His his um ensembles. He looked adorable.
0: There was um. The white, you know what I'm talking about, the white overalls with no shirt underneath. I was like, yes, Steve Gutenberg. Yes.
2: Polo City. They had like three different t-shirts that I was like, if he had the, if I that t-shirt like came in my size, I would buy it today.
0: I did like a lot of the fashion in the film though. Valerie Perin had I loved her clothes. I loved all of her looks. I really did. And they ran yeah. the gamut of all the fashion from the 80s. I really, I really enjoyed all of her fashion. Yeah,
1: and I, I don't think she wore a bra at any moment in the film. <laughs> yes. And I was fine with that you know like, well,
0: she didn't need to it was the 70s slash 80s yeah. and it's fine you know? yeah
1: right and of course there's the famous scene where they're at the YMCA all the boys are in the hot tub Valerie's in the middle and we get to see some titties I mean why not Valerie you're basically showing them anyway with the fashion. So. <laughs> well, she
0: did have that great line wasn't it about like I'm gonna show up with tits and tears. And I was like, oh wow, what a line you say there.
1: Gets the job done, there you go.
0: (laughs) Oh, that was fabulous. Um, So I guess we should probably talk about what our favorite musical numbers were in this piece. The musical numbers are a big part of this movie and why this movie is just out of control and pretty great. So what is your favorite music number? and why. I think that Zoe's is I love you to death. Am I correct in that assumption?
3: You are correct. I love that one so much. There's just more that it gives you with each watch. Oh, for example, like the
0: stiletto when they, they one woman drives her stiletto into the, the construction worker's hand.
3: I mean, the detail of the story arc in this video first he's like I love you to death I love all of you to death and then by the end he's like no too much now you're loving me to death but he was still saying I love you to death so there would make no sense and it was just fabulous
1: Yeah, they're about to kill him at the end.
3: I know, <laughs> like, like, how does this end? He's like, too much pussy, I can't take it. <laughs> I
0: do love that he's wearing a shirt that is not buttoned at all and tucked into his pants. But then by the end, they ripped open the back of his shirt. So it's yeah. basically just like his whole back of his shirt is backless. And his whole front of his shirt is just those two little like strands <laughs> that are being held together by his pants.
3: He, you're seeing his demise. Also, it should
0: be mentioned, this is his fantasy. So this is our, you know, surreal number where Valerie Perrin's like, have you ever thought about being a singer in a singing group? And here's his reaction. I really need to redo the quote that he says. Fame, fortune, platinum records, it's every boy's dream. And then we like like a watercolor into his memory or into his fantasy. And his fantasy is this absolutely insane number. It's like a fever dream. Like yeah. it is a oh, fever totally. dream number
3: yeah. and I'm here for it. And
0: even in his fantasy, he's still a construction worker. He can't fantasize out of that.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <Right. Okay. laughs> and
1: also like a 35 year old man referring to himself as a boy I mean, come on, that is the gayest <laughs> thing
3: That's I've the ever That's the fantasy. That's
1: the
0: fantasy, right?
2: <He's> like, I'm <laughs> so young, I'm so young.
0: But this number is everything. Like, so it's, you know, all these women in red just like being incredibly fierce and dancing. But let me tell you people at home, this number gives you sexy backward crawling. Um, we see it in a lot of music videos, forward crawling, but this one gave us the sexy backward crawl. Um, it also gives us, uh, he bites somebody's foot <laughs> point. Mm-hmm.
3: Yep. Um yep.
0: there's a lot of wacky things. I mentioned the stiletto in the hand. There's some fake slapping going on, but I'm like, mm, do we need that? Did we? Um, and, oh, and there's a headlock, kind of. Like, there's a girl that, like, appears in his armpit at one point. Yes! Oh, that yes! was Kyle's
1: favorite part. I was we just, just like, did dying.
3: just she's like a peekaboo? It's the song that really keeps giving.
0: Like, it's just wonderful. Yeah. So people at home, if I just, I think you need to YouTube just that video for yourself and do yourself that favor. Give yourself that gift. Um, yeah,
2: Kyle, Andrew, what were your favorite numbers? As much as I love the f- opening number as a uh-huh. song, like, I just want to b- have that as I walk to work. The YMCA mm. is so good. And it, it kind of feels like a little bit more of like a real music video where some of these mm. other things are like pre-music video. That could have been like a real music video. Yes. But my mm-hmm. favorite part about it is there are all these people. They are really swimming. They are really boxing. They are really on those bikes, stationary bikes. And then there are two dance fighters who the are dance, dance fighting. And like no one else is dancing. No one else. There's maybe some dancing,
1: boxing. Let's so get it hey, real.
2: <laughs> and they're like slow motion, like that, and it's just like it's out of place, but it's so good. And they're just like these like beautiful black dudes, and like it's all these like white like muscle men around them, and they're just like, no, we're gonna dance, fight, honey, and it's so good. <laughs> totally.
0: Also, the gymnastics is great. The dancing is great. Uh. And this time yeah. around, I also noticed that there, we were very into trios in this film. So in the beginning, as I mentioned, we had the uh, San Francisco trio, tri- three girls that were uh, roller skating. In this, we had the gymnastics trio, three boys also wearing solid primary colors, dancing down down the lane, if you will.
2: I feel like that number, even though it's gotta be like the most overt gay thing in the whole thing, it probably is like a big sell to get Jenner in this movie because they are coming from being, like, the Olympian, and you get to see her, like, do swan dives into the pool and do this, and it's, like, kind of, like, the numbers, it's shocking that they didn't build more around.
3: Yes. Like that yeah.
2: Actually, that, like, especially, like, the, like, I think we were, there's, like, a track part, and we and Andrew watching, and Andrew was, like, um, Jenner's not even winning. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I was like,
0: I
2: was like, like uh, not she wouldn't, like, win. Get the shit out of them. Like, what also,
0: about. can I just say, though, like, why were you so shocked that someone would uh, be really good at something and they wouldn't put it at this movie? This is a movie about the village people where they're not even, like, in it, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they are.
1: It was just, like, Jenner in, like, three-piece suits and they're like, like, no, like, let's focus on the athleticism.
0: Although, can we talk about the abrupt change? Kyle might have mentioned this. The short shorts to the crop top.
2: Oh, yeah. The only character has an arc, and the arc just happens in one fail swoop where they're like, I'm no longer in my three-piece my suit. I'm in crop top and cut off jeans. It's just like, yeah. oh. But then
0: I'm going to go back to the way I was before. Caitlyn Jenner, your arc, it makes no sense you you find Mm -hmm. your freedom and your looseness and then you go yeah it's it's not your fault that was bad (laughs) (laughs) screenwriting yeah
2: i mean you signed the contract that's it you read the script that's your own fault i love it
3: but you're right they did utilize those decathlon skills Mm. in three scenes and the ad worked like i want to go to the ymca now like i'm googling the nearest location like let's go zoe are you cruising for gay sex sorry i mean there was some pretty good views in that YMCA guys.
0: People at home for context the YMCA in like the 40s through 60s was kind of like a gay a place where you could like try to maybe cruise for men and see if you could like you know you're like and like, hey, I don't know I have feelings I'm going to go to the YMCA and figure them out there um so I feel like by the time this movie came out though it's 20 years after that and the YMCA worked really hard to like lose that image So I feel like that's something that maybe gets lost over time and with translation.
1: Right, and it's in New York City. There's tons of bathhouses by that point.
0: So it sounds, me and Kyle loved YMCA. And again, the gymnastics is superb. The choreography is excellent. Highly recommend. Um, But Andrew, did you have a favorite musical number? I think
1: for me, it's the Milkshake song. Like, uh, uh, do the Milkshake. I think it's so great. I personally love, like... Milk. No, I actually, I hate milk. (laughs) No, but I do love um, when there's like a big character, someone who's like well-known and then like a child dressed as them. (laughs) Like I love when someone dresses their kid as like, you know, I don't know, like Groucho Marx or something for Halloween. Like it's so funny to me, you know, it's so recognizable. And so I love that opening where it's all the village people, but they're little kids and they're having milk and like Valerie's there like pouring them milk. I mean, I thought it was the best fucking advertisement I've ever seen in my life, in my so life. what is the
0: budget for milk? This is the most expensive milk commercial in the world. And
1: it's like a seven minute long commercial because again, they can't cut anything down in this film. <laughs> like,
3: they wanted milk to be more glamorous than champagne. I think they succeeded. They yeah, you know did. what? They're,
1: that Super Bowl commercial would cost you $8 billion because you can't do a seven minute long milk commercial. I'm sorry.
3: Let us not forget. Also, it's like we had a milk insane campaign strategy in the nineties. Like all celebrities wearing milk mustaches. Now we're all terrified of osteoporosis. It's prophetic,
0: Honestly,
1: it was a
3: very successful campaign,
0: (laughs) but that milk was one person. It was like a campaign of a famous person with a milk mustache. Yeah. It was not a full-on Busby Berkeley like chorus it, number.
2: It should have been. It's not an advertisement. That's what the crazy thing is. They keep doing musical numbers in this movie to be other things, but then not trying to do them at all. Like It's like, what is my fantasy of being a, a rock star? And then it's just that weird, you're going to kill me, like, fever dream. And it's like, what is a commercial? This? It's on, like, maybe the same stage again. It's just like, they're like... They're trying to fill in the music numbers that I really have nothing to do with it.
0: It's because the songs were clearly, they were already written. And they were like, how do we build half a film around that song? Um, And that was the way that they chose to do it. And yeah. yes, it's a little clunky. But at the same time, the awkwardness is what makes it fabulous.
2: That's the joy.
0: That's the joy. Kyle's right. I wrote down a lyric from that song, by the way. Get a glass of milk. It's not very hard to make.
2: Tell it to a cow!
1: <laughs> wow. That might be the gayest line at my <laughs> movie.
2: <laughs> so
0: when Kyle was talking, something I realized is that this movie is constantly their failures and they never really make it up, but things are always okay. Right. Like uh they do a really bad job for the record executive, but it's fine. They still get a contract. Not at first, but it happens in the end and it's fine, whatever. And like they don't, this milk commercial doesn't end up getting through. Like, I'm going to do this milk commercial to pay for our big concert. They do the milk commercial and they don't get paid for it, but they still get to have the big concert. So it's like, they're constantly failing, but then at the very end, it's all okay. They never really failed.
1: Yeah. I think that is like kind of where they could have gone even bigger with that. Like the f- the whole farce thing. It's like, like Mr. Bean, you know, it's like he trips over this thing, but then it makes something amazing happen. You know, it's like they could have investigated that more spent a little more time maybe developing this film it has all of those vibes and then it just doesn't get there totally you know
2: i think what sarah said is probably right about the assignment was we got to put these music numbers in and it's just like okay if we're gonna do this and make this one make a little bit of sense and okay we got somehow get to the ymca and then like how the crap are we gonna get the milkshake song (laughs) you know like it's just like right (laughs) Round shaped square hole.
0: Oh, they never do the milkshake. We're gonna do the milkshake. Like it's a cool dance, but they never show us that dance. What's the milkshake? You never once tell me.
2: I feel like I thought I knew what it was. Like I feel like they were doing some move, and I was like, that must be. A milkshake. Is
0: that the milkshake? But
2: I don't know. I, you're right. They don't tell you. It's not like one of those songs. It's like like the Hokey Pokey. to tell you how to do it you
0: know. I also do we didn't mention you can't stop the music as a musical number because it was clearly none of our favorite numbers.
2: You mean the song that never ends? The
0: song that never ends yeah. that I did learn the choreography to. That one did have choreo and by the end I felt like I knew it.
1: You know it doesn't take a genius to learn that. <laughs> <laughs> because, only because There's they do the it 5,000 times though. <laughs> like.
0: But then you can sing none of the other words so everybody here can go you can't stop the music. Nobody can stop the music. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: sing so anything else. <laughs>
2: It's also weird things. They're like you can't, you can tell like the the snow not to be cold. You can't do that. Yeah. You can do that. You can do that. You can make the sky not blue, but you can't set that music. We're like, no, I can't do these other yeah. things. These are all things you can't do. It now makes more sense that the the man who wrote this music. I don't think he wrote the lyrics, but like you know, English might not be his first language. I don't think he was really worried about these things when well, we were laughing about how bad the first. Song's lyrics were, I literally was like, if these were in French, the song was in French, it'd be amazing.
0: Well, because the band makers were French, I think, but I think the songwriters were Swedish. So I think we've got an ABBA thing uh, going on here. Um, okay. Um, but then eventually, Victor Willis writes a lot of the songs, but I don't know if he wrote these songs because how awkward would that be if, like, you're not even the lead singer of this band anymore and you're like off writing songs in the background?
2: No, I think oh, I everything, the- I think it's all. Jacques Morali like it says it in the beat like oh
0: never mind all the music Jacques Morali the Frenchman
2: well that's the whole point because what is Steve Gutenberg's name Jack
0: it's Jack Morrell. So
2: like the mushroom
0: like the mushroom but I think because remember he's like I'm Jewish but I'm also Catholic I'm everything and so I you know I think that was how they got closer to being Jewish.
2: His mom does buy a mean matzo ball soup. The
0: cabbage is all about the
3: stuffed cabbage.
0: And I was like, stuffed cabbage on that airplane is the worst idea I ever heard. That the gas, the sheer (laughs) gas of everybody there. They're all good.
2: I I like when they're on their own airplane and they're all on one couch.
0: And there's plants. I was like, what airplane has plants? And
2: gold records.
0: Also, that actress, Wait, I don't want to leave the You Can't Stop the Music thing really quick. I just want to mention to me, You Can't Stop the Music was Pride. When they were saying that i was like is this your way of being like you can't stop the music like you can't stop us from being who we are nobody can stop us from being who we are i added like a pride element to that in my head i mean yeah i
2: think that's there i mean they literally have a song called liberation too let's not forget Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is like they make into a comic number because it's like they're falling apart but like i was kind of like oh i'm surprised we don't hear this one more often
3: yeah
0: also not only are they falling apart they did not make sense with their own plot. Because if you'll recall, in the beginning of this film, Steve Gutenberg was like, everybody dances and nobody sings. And then the Leatherman says, I sing, I don't dance. And I was like, Gutenberg, you were proven wrong yet again. Okay? Not you everybody do,
2: Whatever Ladder Daddy says, you say yes, sir, and you move on.
1: Mama Cass has a song that's Make Your Own Kind of Music, which is, to me, like, probably the most beautiful it's tiktok famous right now i've been hearing it now lately but the past like probably eight years i've been listening to this song like regularly i think it's the best pride song i've ever heard in my life so i think maybe they were trying to go for that you know like mama Cass, art and beautiful <laughs> this song <laughs> um definitely stuck in my head <laughs> Like i'll give it that <laughs> and it is
0: a long song so you know it's not giving up it's got stamina and it's here to stay
3: as is this film yeah <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> um but i do want to gracefully pivot back to the airplane scene to let you know that june havoc is the actress that plays steve gutenberg's mom and she is baby june in real life so she is the actress who gypsy like baby june is based on and she ended up being very successful like she was in Gentlemen's agreement and a ton of films she had a really great career but that's what I was thinking when I was watching this. Like, that's baby June.
2: In real life, like her sister is... Her
0: sister is Gypsy Rosalie. That's wow. legit baby June. Yeah, yeah.
2: Wow. I know.
0: Um, And then, like, the other cool older ladies in this, um, Tammy Grimes was wonderful. She played Sydney, the agent. She did have a bunch of physical comedy moments that probably could have been cut from the film, but she was still good at them. But she was married to Christopher Plummer, and her daughter is Amanda Plummer. And she's a two-time Tony winner. And she won for the unsinkable Molly Brown. So she's fabulous. And then Barbara Rush played uh, Caitlyn Jenner's parent, who I think her name was, their last name was White. And I was like, oh, that's very obvious what you're doing here. They're bland and boring and white. But she's not judgmental. Because I remember she had that quote that's like, in San Francisco, we don't judge or whatever they say, I forget we don't Mm -hmm. judge the show folk or something like that.
1: Yeah. And she also looked younger than all the women in the
2: film. Yeah. They made that
0: comment. (laughs) Valerie was like, she's hotter than me. I recognize.
2: And we were like, like, yeah. But she was in a ton of
0: classic movies too. And she was in One World Collide, which they just played at TCM Fest. So I like just saw her in Mm -hmm. a movie when she was like in her 50s, not in her 50s, when it was the 50s. And so it was very cool to see her in this today. So like, yeah, I felt like they had some solid, uh, Older character actress representation. Um, and I appreciated that.
1: For sure. You gotta get the dames in the gay movies, you know? Sure.
3: Oh wait, this isn't a gay movie. What am I talking uh, about? <laughs> all the dressings. That's all the dressings. It's like so right? close. <laughs> yeah.
0: But I still think, do you agree or do you think that it could be played at Pride events? Like I would go watch this on Osterman Beach. Uh, like for pride weekend if i you know ten thousand
2: percent i was just perusing the wikipedia page here because i had been lo- was looking for the the song list to refer to and just there's the one little paragraph that says baskin robbins ice cream sold a flavor called can't stop the nuts as part of a promotion for the film love it
0: I like how like spot on that is.
2: I could stop the nuts. (laughs) The nut stops here.
0: So obviously this movie is very fabulous and weird. What are your favorite like fabulous weird moments? I have two that every time I watch this, I'm like, oh geez, this is real.
2: I mean, I think the first time we watched it, what made us mouth on the floor was they walking around the corner and Jenner in those cutoffs like I kind of feel bad for y'all listening that you, we ruined that for you because it was such a shocking moment for us a that like and this is when at that point it was we knew Jenner from you know the Kardashians okay. being like their dad not not being like a trans icon um or their or, uh, infamous icon to some maybe um and like that just just that walk around the corner is just like now I'm now
0: I'm a whole different person. And again, just for that one scene, because immediately they go back to being straight laced and wearing piece suits, and go back to being a lawyer eventually. So really, just change for the one scene in a very shocking, costumey way.
2: You know, the pendulum swings hard sometimes.
0: I will say that was actually not the moment I wrote down, though that is one hundred percent accurate. That we had just like I can't believe this is this just happened on our screens. Um, my my very number one weird moment is with the very end of the movie. When uh, <laughs> Steve Gutenberg gets all the band together, they're about to per- perform their big concert and it looks like he's going to make some sort of speech. And all he says is, they're all huddled up and he goes, we're a band. And that's the speech. That's the big speech.
2: And I remember being like, you're not in this band.
0: You're not even <laughs> in it. That moment of like, and this is the moment. This is the big speech. We're a band. That's it. Okay, I love that.
1: The audition scene, mm-hmm. with just like people walking in and being like, this is me, I do this, you know, it's like, I'm Scooby-Doo and I, you know, Throw a baton. It was like, literally like, what the fuck is happening here? (laughs) Like,
0: I am James and flames my game. That is my other favorite moment because it's incredible.
2: There we go. A
3: man named James stands on the table with flaming batons. The greatest thing maybe in films ever. It's
1: very iconic.
3: Which I believe was right after somebody goes up and sings Danny boy. Leather daddy or leather man. I apologize. He's
2: from the Bronx.
0: He's from the Bronx. He works in a toll booth and that's why he wears the leather.
2: And he was just there to get his taxes done or something, he wasn't even there to audition. He was just there in a leather jacket with no, and shirt.
0: he's not from the village either. So it makes a great point. He is not from the village.
1: Oh, what I just showed up to this porno set like, what you knew what you were doing,
0: but he legit can sing. And I love that super terrible fake moment where he's about to hit the big note, and for comedic timing, he stops, pretends to take a sip and then hits the big note but he doesn't take long enough so you can tell he doesn't take the sip and valerie perrin looks at the camera as though the take is blown and but it's not they keep going
2: <laughs> that's amazing
0: so special. that's awesome
2: and what does he take a sip of dr pepper dr pepper's in this movie constantly It is, dr pepper is like only thing they drink and they constantly show it obviously some early promotion thing it's like dr pepper we're a little different you know
0: um, I did want to ask earlier though because I, I know that like the leather daddy is like kind of a famous staple of gay culture. Did it come after the village people? Is that what started it all?
2: No it's very like from like the yeah. 50s like the greaser yeah. culture like. Yeah Marlon Brando. And there were a couple other there were a lot of those movies at the time. I think that's where like the icon or the archetype comes from but gay leather culture it's like its own thing and. In- It's like, it's still going on.
1: People love the leather. I love when something hyper-masculine becomes almost like the gayest like people reject it because it's so gay like leather culture like I can almost see like NASCAR becoming like you know (laughs) the next thing that people are like oh my god like we can't touch it because like all these gays are dressing as like NASCAR it could happen I mean like you know but also
0: like get over yourselves oh my (laughs) god I do not have time for people that are like that anyway that's lame you should be so honored if like gay culture takes on the thing that you like Completely yes, like a jock
1: strap now is like, oh yeah, I can't wear that. It's like, well, you might have to wear a cup to protect your nuts, bro. <laughs> like-
0: but like gay workout culture and like the straight male bro culture overlap a little bit in terms of the exercise stuff. Like the the like the men in this movie, we had the muscle men, the gay muscle men, you know? So it's yeah. like that's an intersecting culture.
1: Well now oh, it, it does. completely does. There's probably some gay, straight, best friends out there.
0: Zoe, we kind of have left you out of this part.
2: Would you
3: like to say what your favorite <laughs> moment was? That's okay. Do you want to just co-opt our <laughs> space
2: now, please, Zoe? Would you mind going on your own am
3: I'm just sitting in the back of the gym with my wine, watching people lift. Leave me alone. Wait, Zoe, did you have a favorite moment? And was it Danny Boy? Danny Boy was up there. No, I liked the baguette lady <gasps> that was in there for no, no reason, reason
1: at all. Uh, Why did
3: that happen? She's there a lot. She sneaks in there. You think it's one moment, but then you watch part of. Like I started watching it again for God knows reason because it's an amazing film, and I'm like, <laughs> baguette lady, she's yeah. everywhere. She's like the unsung hero. Where's her plot
0: line? I don't want to burst your bubble, but they used every extra twelve thousand times. I felt like um, all the dancers were in every dance scene, no matter where it was. And I was like, they didn't even try. They just hired all the same dancers. But I didn't see Baguette Lady. But people at home, I need to break down this moment for you so you understand. There is a moment when the fancy pants agent is going to try to sneak into Valerie Perrin's apartment to convince her to do the milk commercial. Um, She's come from uptown and she's in Greenwich Village, which, oh no, Greenwich Village is eccentric and different. And a woman with a baguette sees her getting out of a taxi and takes the baguette and starts hitting her. And we don't know why. And it's never concluded or
3: mentioned ever again. But she hits Gutenberg while he's roller skating in that first scene. She's the
2: spirit of the village.
3: So that's a weird joke that never landed because she's the person who's known for hitting everybody. And then the really rich lady the, the exact lady takes the baguette from her and then hits her with the baguette and it's supposed to be this wonderful funny line that does not land at all and i'm here for it it's like every time they tried to do
1: something they were like let's do it only twice it's like if you're gonna do this schmacky shit yeah do it like three times eight times
3: three times three
1: well the rule of three but then you do it four and then five and then <laughs> one more time at the end you know in the finale
0: You just put something together in my head, though. They referenced Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney musicals. Nancy Walker was in a Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney musical. She was Polly Walker on Girl Crazy. Whoa! I forgot about that.
2: Let's put on a show and sing the same line over and over again. My glitter falls on us. I think it was in, was it in
1: Gutenberg's DJ booth? Or no, somebody's bedroom. The Grease poster.
0: Yes.
3: Mm -hmm. yeah and there was
0: and eliza was on the wall little easter eggs we had mentioned alan carr produced greece and so in steve gutenberg's like little studio slash bedroom whatever that was he has a poster of you know the greece film in the background um there is something that i do want to talk about which is the richie family who are the real stars of this picture the richie family is the band that opens for the village people in this movie and they are by far the most talented people in this picture And I want to watch a movie about them. And I wish that they had been more famous because they were great. Their choreo was fabulous. They
2: sang and we were like,
1: "Where? why are we not in their movie? Yeah, and it, like with everything being stretched out in, the, in this entire movie, I was like, no, this needs to be stretched out. Hello, we need to see more.
3: So we agree that we need more of that. Yeah. And we yeah. need more of the out Lady. <laughs> Both of those need to be flushed out. Yay! Great. <laughs> we all agree. Baguette, right. <laughs> baguette Lady is being her own seat. Begat Lady baguette lady.
2: Zoe just sees herself in the baguette lady. She's just trying to find a role for herself. Who doesn't?
3: (laughs) We all see ourselves as some form of the baguette lady Kyle.
2: I'm the baguette frankly.
3: Um
0: but the Richie family people at home I do want to paint a picture so you understand. To me it's a girl group and I imagine they must be sisters and it's like Donna Summer and En Vogue if they had a, a baby it would be this family. It would be this group. And they were beautiful and their voices were great and i loved everything about it and i wanted 100 more of that and that's all that i needed to add to that
2: they're still performing apparently around
0: did they have any other big hits that we know
2: Our, uh their latest singles what you got released in 2021 you know that one no i don't know what one
0: I don't
2: oh they're another Jacca morali group no wonder that's
0: oh uh, that makes a lot of sense
2: push the other group
0: Oh, I also want to say, do you have a favorite village person? And I remembered originally when we watched this, I did the thing that I always used to do when we would hang out where I'd go, which one's your boyfriend? And then I'd pick the best one immediately because I had just asked the question. Um, and I always took the good one. That was my trick back then. Um, yeah. But <laughs> do you have a favorite village person? And or who's, which village person is village person boyfriend? Mine's the army person. See, I did it again.
2: You did it again. I like Leatherman. I think it's just... He he is the most shocking that he's in the Village People because it's not a job.
0: He crafted the leather.
2: Maybe. I don't... I I think he just rides a motorcycle and has a giant handle on his ass. A quick second would be the... Uh, construction, construction worker because he's so seventies with that blonde hair.
3: Oh, he's like mm-hmm. French Let's
2: kiss oh. well anyone <laughs> You can take him if
3: you want. I'll take him. I
0: think my favorite one is I agree, the leather daddy's pretty great. As a character, I liked his voice. I you're right, I agree. But if yeah. I had to pick my boyfriend, obviously the army guy just seemed like the sweetest one and he seemed the most like chill.
3: Sure.
2: Um though so the cop's the best singer. Talent counts a lot.
3: But the construction worker guy is going to love me to death. Oh. Are you gonna love him to the <laughs> In the table's turn? We never know where it's gonna go. That's how you keep it fresh. Who's gonna pick their boyfriend next?
0: Who's your favorite village person? Oh, Screw yeah. the boyfriend thing.
3: Mary
2: fuck kill that'd be good.
1: Um, I was like one hando on the cowboy. Kyle
2: said like he looks like a serial killer. I was like, oh my god, like what is wrong with me? Of, I don't know. Certain white guys have like serial killer face. I think it's when you have very small features.
0: He has the nice cheekbones, like the high cheekbones.
2: He's kind of the most famous one, I think. Like on his own, like I feel like he pops in things. Like I feel great, you know. Like I'm, I don't I, like a mustache
1: is okay with me right now. Like. Yeah, I liked it. And and also his outfits were so big and flashy. I was like, oh, yeah, I would marry him. I'd marry him. I'd
2: fuck him. I'd kill him.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you probably could still do all those things. He's still around. I'm sure he's still around. There's too. still time.
3: There's
0: still time. Um, I had a bunch of Easter eggs that I was noticing this time um, that I just want to share with you. One thing that bothered me is that the Simpson last name appeared twice because of lazy screenwriting. So the lead singer of the group, the cop, his name is Ray Simpson. And they all keep their names throughout. Like the village people use their real names. But the main character, they made her her name be Samantha Simpson. And I was like, could you not have changed her last name once you found out? what his last name was, you couldn't have made it anything else. So they gave that lead character the same last name as the lead village person and they never realized it and it bothered me.
2: Maybe raise her sister all along.
0: A biracial family. They didn't yeah. know it.
2: They had to cut something out of the story.
0: You know, that integral plot <sighs> point. Um, you clearly all, it really bothered all of you, I can tell, so I'm done. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I couldn't even keep track of the people that on their last name.
0: Well, the only reason I remembered her last name was because she had that interaction with um, the guy from Dirty Dancing. He's very famous, yeah. but I can't remember his name right now. Yeah. And so he had the whole thing where he said the wrong name. And she was like, it's Simpson. So it's stuck in my brain this time. So when the cop was like, they kept being like, Simpson. I was like, whoa, you both can't have the same name and be different people. It's a movie. Just try a little harder. Um, so, you know, that also, that guy had a great quote that was like, Halston's seamstress and Calvin Klein's assistant were here, you know, the biggies. <laughs> he said something like that. And I was like, ooh, that's great. Um, anyway, so there was that one.
1: Yeah, that guy looked insane, by the way. Like Kyle and I were saying, like, we we're like, what is going on with him?
3: His eye was bloody. That's what it was. It was like a burst, like capillary or whatever. And his eye. Um. It was also bothering me
0: name-wise that um, everybody was calling Felipe, Felipe, but Steve Gutenberg was calling him Felipe. And I went, oh, oh queen, and no one corrected him. Um, but we've literally mentioned everything else in my Easter eggs, so I don't even have to bring them up. Except for we did not mention, just, I really want to shout out the domino fall at the end of YMCA. At the end of yes! that whole number, yes. We get a classic, everyone's standing in a V and one person falls and then they all fall. Eat your heart out, Rockettes. I loved it so i really wanted to shout that out so does anyone have quotes that they wanted to share that were just like too much for them
2: we did not mention because there's so many people characters in this how cuckoo bananas this lulu character is that's like it's the agent's assistant that somehow is also like everyone's best friend who then becomes a roadie and she's like i think she, i like figured out she's like a she's you know, some New York actress who's had, you know, is in Sex and the City because everybody has... Her
0: name it. is Marilyn Sokol. Sokol?
2: She brought something to this role, I think.
0: She was given a thankless role. She made it pop, but also her role was so creepy. And she has... she.
2: Yeah.
0: It's like you like her because she could tell she's this fun character actress and you're supposed to like her, but she's doing and saying creepy things quite a lot.
2: Good old Lulu.
0: Same with that agent. We're supposed to like the agent and he, he is pretty funny, but he's a big old skeezball and creeper.
2: Yeah. It doesn't hold up so good.
3: Mm-mm.
0: I did pass over the quote, leather men don't get nervous. Great quote.
1: <laughs> While he's banging his head against the wall. Yeah.
0: Oh, I did want to read the Valerie per- Perrin quote about acceptance. So she says, I don't judge people. I accept them. There isn't a person who breathes who doesn't have certain peculiarities. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody, it's all right by me. And then Caitlyn Jenner says, yeah, but where do you draw the line? Valerie Princess, with uptight squares like you. And then Caitlyn Jenner leaves the apartment. And it's great. Burn. And then later she says to them, This is the 80s, darling. You're going to see a lot of things you've never seen before. And she's talking about sex.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, and then I have the Lulu quote, Housework is like bad sex. Every time I do it, I'll swear I'll never do it again until company comes. <laughs> and you're like, Oh, yeah, that's, but- a that's a good one. That was a good one mama has connections i wrote down really stupid shit, but that's because this movie has a lot of stupid shit.
3: i mean right at the beginning steve gutenberg and all of his childlike glory just with magic and stars in his eyes just says music is magic and i'm like that's this movie man that's that's what it is scene credits and you can't stop it nobody can stop it
1: no we've
3: tried but did you have anything that you wanted to say or talk about that we haven't talked about we talked at the very beginning about how we would love it to be remade, love it to be a musical. And I just want to put it out there into the universe that I think for the role of Steve Gutenberg and all the childlike stars in his size glory, I think it'd be fabulous if Paul Rudd would play it. Because <sighs> he gave off real big Paul Rudd goofball vibes. And I'm like, that. Yeah, totally. My... That would be great. I see it. I really see it. Yeah. Right? Right. Mm. right?
2: There's so much fun in this and it's just so ridiculous. I and mean, you like you don't really We don't need all this plot and stuff. What would be like a good way to enjoy this movie in 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 the future besides a Paul Rudd remake, which I'd be here for, is if like this got the treatment of like, um, what was that the that old show, the uh space theater three thousand
3: yeah mystery science theater three thousand mm. remember where they would
2: do it and it would be like 40 minutes and you would like you didn't you really get the whole movie but you didn't care yeah like i feel like this would because this is what this is like a snarky movie with your friends like if you had like a condensed version where they just gave you all the hits and you were just like what this this thing i made crazy well and right
1: now they're like remaking everything that you don't care about but some of the shit that you're like oh, it was like kind of a little bit of attention is
2: like the best stuff.
0: Kyle, remember you said earlier, Xanadu, they transferred to Broadway and it was a really
2: solid production.
0: They figured out how to make it work.
2: And they had like, ai don't know, like a Tony Award slash like maybe one of the Pulitzer like prize playwright, like rewrote the script for it. You know, like that's what you need is you need like a a tactician to go through and make something like that really work. If you ever watched the movie Xanadu, it's very similar to this where it... This actually is, this is, makes more sense than Xanadu. Xanadu actually does not make sense at times that they don't explain things to a point where you have to, they assume you have to figure out like what's going on. That's all another podcast, but they do such a good job of like fixing all those problems in the musical. And it's so fun.
0: I also watched Xanadu for the first time with you all (laughs) back in the day. One more thing about the Broadway show they could serve milkshakes in the lobby at intermission. Oh my God. Let's do it. Let's do it.
3: And Dr. Pepper.
0: And Dr. Pepper. Ooh, float. Yes.
1: I'm putting $100,000 towards this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm investing. I'm all in, baby. (laughs) Yeah, totally.
0: I am going to move us into the modern lens portion of this show. What does hold up? What does not hold up? Um, We'll start with what doesn't. Obviously... There is cultural appropriation going on with this. They they refer to the Native American slash Indigenous character as an Indian. And in real life, the person is of Native American descent. But it's still, you know, it still can be uncomfortable
2: to watch and to hear. So, like, there's that. It's just, like, shocking a little bit. You're like, what? And it's also just not a job.
0: Also... The weird thing is that that actor or that, that person, his name is Felipe Rose. He is like the actual village person, but apparently he was the first one that they found for the group, um, after, so they had that main singer guy and then they were looking for people to be like, you know, dancers and they found him go-go dancing in that garb. Like that was what he actually did IRL in real life. Like he was wearing his like fake, like native American go-go costume in the clubs and they found him and we're like we pick you and I wonder if they got the whole idea just from that just from like seeing him in that costume and they're like whoa what if we make everybody else like a trope of masculinity you know um but that's his story that like no I was dancing in a goku club in that outfit and they found me and hired me and he was the first oh. like dancer that was hired uh and then also there's a lot of like scuzzy non-consensual dudes like Yes, we lost Steve Gutenberg, but yes, he is kind of creepy and gropey and hitting on Valerie Perrin a lot, even though she's clearly letting him live in her amazing apartment for free and he should have an attitude adjustment. Um, and then the agent who is very creepy and who tries to like, you get the sense that if she were to have gone on his private jet, he may or may not have sexually assaulted her. And
3: like abducted um, her to Aruba.
0: Yeah, it's pretty creepy and scary. Um, and they all sexualize Valerie Perrin. And I love that she has that line where she's like, they wanted me for my brains and not my body. And I was like, yes, girl. Yes, You're, you were wanted for you. Uh, so like, that's all that great. I wrote just Lulu down because she had some quotes that were like rough. Like the one about like, she, oh, okay. So she sees Felipe who is very clearly a gay man. And she is like, I love him. And she says, I go for exotic types. And then she calls him in Indian. And uh, then she says, I'll make up for all the indignities they suffered in Roots. And you go, how? Please don't say that. Don't. Yeah. So that's hard. And then she's also gro- groping people and being kind of gross too and scuzzy.
2: At least there's some like uh, equal parts creepiness for the sexes here.
0: Equal opportunity creepiness.
2: Yeah, there you go.
0: The I Love You to Death, like the fake um, hitting of like, I was like, what is this? Like, is this cute and kinky? Or is this like abuse? Wasn't sure. Gray area there.
3: It's a very complicated song.
2: Valerie has one non three-dimensional black friend who is only there to bring the black members of the village people into the scene because apparently they all know each other.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
2: And she seemed very nice. And she did the best job she could, this actress.
0: Altavis Davis is her name she played Alicia you're right she's like a fun character actress so that probably could have done more and they just have her there to be like a black person liaison for the village people cast to the white people
2: fun fact she's Sammy Davis Jr's third wife <gasps>
0: no oh. that's a fun fact
2: fun fact
0: will like that fact
2: that's what she's best known for that's sad yes
0: Um, all right, do we have any other, like, things that people are like, yikes? I mean, there's a lot in general. And just the fact that they, like, weren't out.
1: Honestly, like, right now, there's so many attacks on drag culture and trans culture and queer culture or folks that are non-binary. Yeah, I think this movie failed in that in a corny commercial way. And you wouldn't think it would matter now, but it does matter a lot now. I think it matters more than ever.
0: But hey, guess what? We have some positive stuff too, though, everybody. That's good. I mean, we do have strong female characters that with last names. That's fun. And then we have that Valerie Perrin quote, which I think is like a very cool quote to have. There I don't know, there were a lot of like affirming quotes about acceptance that I was taking to be like acceptance for gay pride. So yeah, I I, I liked that aspect of it. And then um and then the, I used my brains, not my body. And I was very happy for her that she got to have that arc of like, I'm a model. What else can I be? Oh, I can have a career as a manager. Like all the women were really ambitious and achieved their goals and got along.
2: That's all cool. I mean, just like the joy and like, and we talked about like, like, it's like a predecessor for those music videos and things and you can kind of see. It's like a, a stepping stone that probably people that, you know, would develop that stuff later in the decade. Like probably saw this or at least kind of the things that this was based on
1: you know when there's something that's like what is this pg rated or something and it's open to a lot of people to see um i'm sure there was like you know someone some little gay kid raised by his grandma who she was like i want to go see this movie you know like and could show him that or them that or heard that or you know it's like that's
2: amazing
0: it's like a form of representation yeah totally. i think
2: also there's something just about it being like i mean we hear like lately about like african-american community like finding finding black joy and celebrating black joy like it doesn't yeah. have to be all about our hardships and things And i think there's yeah. something to be said like using that kind of lens back to be like there's something to be said about that this is just kind of some gay joy. Like, whether, yeah. you know, even though it's a little closeted at the, for the time and things like that, you know, cruising is at the same time, which I don't know if that's necessarily a positive portrayal of the gay community, whether it's like real or not, of that of the time, and that actually it was filming in New York around the same time, and like, they people were protesting it, and then getting confused, and protesting <laughs> this movie by accident, and then being like, yes. oh, JK, we didn't mean to. We were trying yeah. to protest cruising. <laughs>
0: Um, something from the modern lens, though, that I was thinking about, I was thinking about how the AIDS epidemic would affect New York. And so part of me was watching this movie and thinking about how different this scene would be in five years, and how um, a lot of these people would not still be with us or like who, which of these people would get HIV AIDS. And I don't know, I was thinking about that, like how what a nice encapsulation of joy this was before the AIDS epidemic. Um, and I think most of the village people uh, did survive, but the the man, the producer that started it, ja- Morale, Morale,
2: Morale,
0: Morally. Morally, he actually did die of HIV AIDS. So, um, yeah, that was just something I was thinking about.
2: We lost an entire generation yeah. of these artists, people. And even if it's whether it was high art or it was pop art or it was, you know, goofy stuff like this, it was just like it was just decimated.
0: Um, so now for the double feature portion of this show. Um, if you liked this movie, here are some other things you can check out. The Apple is a movie that I heard about um, from my haircut person today. My hairstylist was cutting my hair and I was telling her about this film. And she said, oh, that sounds like this movie, The Apple. So you check it out. And it's this insane movie from also 1980 that's got like crazy dance numbers and doesn't make a lot of sense. And they spent a fortune on it and it made no money. So maybe The Apple for like a similar just like whoa this is campy and there's these really big budget dance numbers and the movie that doesn't make sense so there's that um i said grease because you know alan carr um and i said best little whorehouse in texas because that's like a tommy tune musical and has kind of like a queer macho number where it's like we're macho men but at the same time we're like gay dancers here that is
1: so on point because the locker room, locker room scene is exactly. like one in the same
2: shown in every gay bar in america
0: Um, I also said Paris is burning because like the ballroom scene, you know. And then um, Doris Day today, her special, which is just like combines old things with trying to be cool, new things. It's almost about to be the 80s. She's like, I'm Doris Day and I'm going to sing these old songs. And here are the lockers of cool new pop and lock group. And so to me, the camp levels were very similar. And then I also said Spice World because, hey, that's another movie about a music group. And how they got together, and how they overcome adversity. Um, so yeah, those were my choices, and I didn't say Xanadu because I didn't think of it. So I'm gonna leave it to Kyle. Kyle, you had mentioned. What are your double features?
2: I mean Xanadu, but I don't. Watching those these two movies in a row might be too much. Frankly, I think they're they maybe need to stand on their own with other pairings because <laughs> I think it'd just be it would be a lot. Um, similar to Spice World, I was thinking like Help or Hard Day's Night, The Beatles kind of like the camp. Um, what I kind of feel like this movie kind of kind of wants to be in it, but it's kind of maybe more corporate in a weird way. And then the gay, the bathhouse movie from the seventies, The Ritz, mm-hmm. is what it's called. I looked it up. And the weird thing, the creepy guy in the beginning who owns the with the bloodshot eye is the main character in The Ritz in the movie. <gasps> Isn't that weird?
0: Whoa! I
2: didn't know that. guy. I just looked it up. It's is, Jack
0: Weston. He's yeah. the guy from Dirty Dancing. He owns yeah. the hotel. Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yes, it's a farce in a bathhouse. He's hiding out like from gangsters in a bathhouse, pretending even though he's straight. Rita Moreno has a <laughs> award winning turn as the entertainment at the bathhouse, and it's just like it's amazing. So, I feel like that with this is like campastic.
3: I think this with like Mama Mia would be fun.
0: Plus Swedish pop duo. It was a Swedish pop duo writing the songs for that and
3: for this. And also trying to figure out how the hell you put these songs that were written already into a movie and make a plot out of it. Oh,
1: my God. That is a perfect point. Yeah. 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 I just thought of Woodstock, which is so the opposite of this. It's a documentary 10 years prior. It's so opposite. But there was something about, like they did like certain camera angles and like cinematography and stuff like that and like really tried to like I don't know go for a certain kind of vibe or their juxtaposition
2: to over just like yeah they're like they're like, total like the most authentic yeah. and the least authentic <laughs> yeah. thing yeah of, like... and then
1: all of a sudden you're like, like yeah I love they're both this...
0: and they're both very right. long and they're both very long <laughs> oh that's true too I know it's Thank you all so much for being here and having this discussion about this absolutely just like bananas, but still fabulous movie. Thank you. I recommend people at home, you watch this with a group of friends. You will lose your minds. It's so fun. Um. So happy Pride everyone. And thank you all, Zoe and Kyle and Andrew. Thank you all for being here.
2: Happy Pride. Yay. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> you can't yeah. stop the music.
1: All right, Well, Music is magic.
2: And yeah, we'll see you all next time on Talk Classic to Me. No, 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 this song never <laughs> ends. This will never end. This podcast never ends. You can't stop is. the podcast. I'm going to do it.
0: Do the dance,
2: do, yeah, do the dance. You have been
0: listening to Talk Classic to Me with Sarah Greenfield. That's me. My guests this week were Andrew Johnson, Zoe Pelko, and Kyle Sorilla. They will be featured on our Instagram page. If you enjoyed our show, please introduce a friend and show them how to subscribe, and maybe even find us on either Spotify for Podcasters or Anchor.fm, because they're the same thing now, to become a contributing member. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, at Talk Classic to Me, for some awesome content, and to find out what's coming up next. Thanks for listening.